Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome into the Four Feathers podcast. It's Johnny Nani alongside Tony Marchese. Cracking some beers here as the weekend starts on Thursday. Giving you some Blackhawks talk. Kick off the weekend. Tony, how you doing, man? Johnny, I'm doing great, man. It's, uh, it's good to be back on Talking Hawks again. You're right, cracking beers. Uh, this first one of the day tastes great. Uh, I see you've got the uh, the old Bush Lights out tonight. Yeah, I do. I was on the Stella Kick here for the last couple episodes of the Four Feathers podcast. I had to show off the mugs, Tony. I have some cool Black Cox mugs. So I wanted to rotate those in a little bit. But we're back on the Bush Lake. Got the trusty old Hawks koozie on it tonight. So I uh, hope you're cracking them at home, listeners. Uh, make sure you jump in the YouTube comments. Uh, go to youtube.com slash on tap sports net. It's tough doing that when you're drinking beer, Tony. But yeah, it's a mouth, YouTube. It's a mouthful. Nice to go. Make sure you uh, press the alert button so you know when we go live. Uh, jump in the comments there. So we can't see them when you post them on Twitter. So go to Facebook, ONTAP Sportsnet, or YouTube, ONTAP Sportsnet, and jump in the comments here. Tony, we've got a lot to talk about. Blackhawks are on a break, um, so obviously not much game action as of late. But that doesn't mean uh, that there isn't Blackhawks stuff to discuss. Uh, and we're going to get into a bunch of it here, uh, kind of checking in on a state of the Blackhawks at the All-Star break. So... Um, Tony, uh, how you feeling about this team overall? Um, now that we're into the month of February, it's been sort of a roller coaster that I didn't really expect to be on uh, this season, Johnny. We've had some ups, we've had some downs. Uh, it started off hot, I think, a little bit hotter than anybody else would have imagined that the Blackhawks were going to start this season. I think you saw early initial, um, what do I want to call it? Uh, dividends from Luke Richardson being your new coach. I've, I've liked what I've seen from Luke Richardson um, so far this season. We've had some lulls where it felt like this team was going to be unable to win any game ever again. And then you've seen them come back and sort of win a bunch in a row at certain points in time um, that gives you sort of this feeling of like, are they going to be at the bottom of the standings? Uh, when this thing is all said and done. So it's been more of a roller coaster for me than I thought. I thought we were going to kind of coast sort of near the bottom, but not have as many hot stretches of hockey. I will say I'm sort of thankful for them, though, Johnny. It's nice to get some wins here and there. Um, and I think overall we're sort of where we expected to be. I know they've got some games in hand um, in the tankathon standings, but overall it, it's been a more fun season uh, due to these stretches of good hockey that you've seen, you've gotten a couple of clips of some some new guys coming up. Lucas Reichel's been in the mix. I think, you know, if you look at the goaltender situation, one thing that I said at the beginning of the season is, like, I wanted to see what was next. I'm really impressed with uh, how Soderblom's been and even pleasantly surprised by one Jackson Stauber. So there's been a lot of positives, um, more, more positives than negatives that I can think of off the top of my head so far this season. Um, how are you feeling, man? So I wanted to lean towards you, what your assessment was there and say that I was kind of surprised and didn't think it was going to be as much of a you know roller coaster as it is uh, in terms of having, you know, sort of winning stretches. But then when I think about the game of hockey, it's it is kind of a streaky game, right? The boys are buzzing is a thing for a reason uh, because teams do uh, go on some hot stretches. Uh, win does wonders for some confidence sometimes, uh, especially guys that may have been struggling finally break through. Um, we've seen that. Um, 
example, Lucas Reichel during his brief, uh, you know, kind of stint uh, towards the very beginning of the new calendar year. So um, overall, I think it's about what I expected um, because we knew that this was going to be a rebuilding season, a tank season. Um, and I'm happy to report via Tankathon, which you had mentioned earlier, the Blackhawks are currently, uh, if the season were to end today, they are in the second spot there. Um, in terms of where the draft order is. Uh, Columbus is in the first spot right now, um, thanks to a three-game losing streak they went on right before the break. Uh, they have a 667 points percentage, and the Blackhawks have a 708. So um, I've also said this, uh, and I said it on our season opening show, and I've said it probably the last two times that you and me and Ron have got together on this show. And that is, if you're doing, if they're doing a little too much winning for your liking, just wait till after the trade deadline, uh, and it's going to fall off. We're going to see some even heavier tanking. So um, I'm expecting it. But that's part of the deal, part of what we signed up for. Well, part of what Kyle Davidson signed us up for. So um, we're in it. We're in it for the long haul. And we're in it for Bedard, Tony. That, that's really what I want. I, I know it's been bandied about a, a ton. And I don't like to beat it into the ground here. But, man, that, that guy is so talented. And when you go just see some of the highlights that come out of him, every team is desiring him. But, man, I really, really hope we get him. I think that's where a lot of people are, Johnny. Not only just Blackhawks camp, like you said, um, you know, fans of any team who are near the bottom of the standings right now, they want Connor Bedard. And, and, you know, there's going to be some lottery luck involved in that. As you said, many a times, you know, you're praying for ping pong balls, but the Hawks have put themselves in a position where they're going to be able to draft an impactful player. I know Connor Bedard is, is the name that, both of us are probably going to want, but I mean, are you going to be totally disappointed? This is a random question. Are you going to be totally disappointed if the Hawks do say wind up with Fantilli? Is is this season not going to be a no. success no. if if they don't get that? Not at all. And then, it, no, I, I wouldn't say that at all. I don't think anybody would. It's obviously, I think it's just the kind of you think generational talent with Bedard, whereas all these other guys are. It's a very strong draft class, so this is the year to do it. Um, so I like the timing on it. Um, like you said, there's a number of prospects there, uh, Fantilli, and you can go down the board. And there's a few others there that will definitely be impactful NHL players. It's just kind of maybe a uh, cream of the crop sort of deal versus a very, very solid player, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think that there's there's a couple of takes that are floating around online, though, Johnny, that, that kind of scare me where everybody just wants Bedard so much. That and you you said it first generational talent. Um, maybe I'm of the camp that sort of looks at number one overalls uh, from one of our other favorite teams, the White Sox, and I say like maybe it's not the worst thing to miss out on that number one overall guy because you could get a Yoan Moncada. I know that's a hot takeover in the in White Sox land, but sort of as this thing is going, Johnny, and I don't know if it'll eventually flip. I'm starting to like what I see from Fantilli a little bit more and more each time I get the chance to watch him play some hockey. Maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing if, if the Hawks don't wind up with the number one pick. Um, now, Connor Bedard has given me no reason to think that he's not going to perform at the NHL level, but I just sort of want to temper expectations for myself. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm trying to keep myself from being hurt when we come in and get number two That's or number three. So I want to, you know, to, my, you know my advice, to, never give it up for the letdown, right? Yeah. So let's not get up for the letdown. I want to sort of just look at this draft board as a whole here and, and, you know, go one through five. If, if we don't get Connor Bedard, we still have to look at this and say, at least from my perspective, 
you're improving your team through this draft. There is there is no way, shape, or form the Hawks should right. come out of this draft without vastly improving the Chicago Blackhawks' outlook for the future. I don't want to be disappointed and way up for the letdown if the ping pong balls don't go our way. So I want to sort of look at some of these other guys, I think, a little bit more in depth as we go through the second half of the season instead of just, you know, getting all excited every night over Connor Bedard highlights. I agree. And I think it's a, you got to crawl before you can walk uh, standpoint here. And this is a very, very long-term outlook and don't get me wrong. Any team would love to have Connor Bedard. And that's, I think the goal, right? That's why you tank. That's why you try to, you know, get, get towards the, uh, no one's uh, tanking according to Gary Batman. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like nobody dislikes the uh, digital ads, right? Yeah. Gary Batman, always reliable. Um, however, Back to my long, long, long-term take here. When you talked about it, it might not be the worst thing in the world if the Blackhawks miss out on it. Sure, that's just because there's a strong draft class and you're still going to improve the team no matter what, as long as you're getting one of those, you know, kind of top-tier selections there because it's a strong draft. But say Connor Bedard's the type of guy that's going to come in and probably play right away. Sure, you could maybe relegate a, a little bit of time, but he's going to force the issue so much that he's going to be worthy of NHL minutes basically right away upon being drafted, right? And the Blackhawks are still a few years away from contention. So you're using up some of those electric years and stuff. And sure, there's plenty of good that comes with that attracting talent, free agents that want to come and play with this kid. Patrick Kane getting, uh, you know, if he stays around or comes back or whatever it may be, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, you know, him playing with Bedard, that's all fine and dandy. But the team as a whole it's not just one guy that's going to turn it around. Uh, There's multiple pieces that need to filter through. There's other prospects that are in the system right now that still need developing. There's still positions that need to be sorted out, i.e. goaltender um, who's going to step up in the future. So it's a team game. We know that in hockey and maybe the early flashes of Bedard would get you a little too excited um, and you could deal with the losing early on there, but then if you don't supplement around properly later on, um, then it feels like it might've been, or not um so maybe out you know i guess what i'm getting at here is getting ahead of ourselves yes could be an issue with bedard just because you're so excited about it but you know I guess I'm, that, I'm right at, i'm right on that same wavelength it's, it's honestly almost like a win-win with where yeah. they're at just because of the strength of the draft not that not that Connor Bedard would be the worst thing to happen to the Blackhawks, but I can imagine a scenario, Johnny, where where you're talking about yeah, he comes here be, next year. It would year. be the best thing to happen, and then I think there would be great things that could happen with other guys. Yes, I I, I, I do I do think that there's yeah there's there's a little bit of wiggle room here. They can't they can't really screw this up. Hopefully, you know that's it's not the Kirby Doc draft class. I think is what we're both sort of getting at with this. Right. I think you were lagging out there just a little bit there, Johnny. Yeah. So not the Kirby doc draft class. Definitely not um, top five strong as our guy as Cokes just said in the comments there. All right. Uh, that's kind of where we're at with the state of the Blackhawks. Um, let's move on down to another topic. That's going to be a hot one here uh, for the, it's been hot all year, but it's going to especially heat up over this next month because we are, you know, a month away from trade deadline day and 
you know, it's uh, the Tank Center is going to be in full force on that day. With the Four Feathers podcast. I uh, can't wait for that. You, me, and Ron uh, tearing it up a little bit, uh, covering all those trades uh, with some content coming from Four Feathers Pod accounts. Make sure you follow on Twitter and Instagram so you don't miss any of that. Uh, but Taves and Kane are obviously the hot names here. And Tony, uh, you're going to have to fill me in on a little uh, nugget that dropped today. Actually, there were a couple of them um, regarding possible futures of T- Taves and Kane. And what do you got for me? Uh, just uh, enlighten me and the listeners. So there was a little segment over on uh, Redline Radio uh, from Barstool today. Barstool Chief uh, had dropped this little piece of information that, you know, he's hearing that both Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves will not be traded at the deadline and that both are going to remain in Chicago for the remainder of the season. Um, I, that's a, that's a rumor. That, that's definitely a rumor, something that uh, I, I didn't really expect. I think a lot of people expected at least one of these guys, if not both to, to go. Um, I don't know how credible this is by any stretch of the imagination Uh, You would expect teams to be interested in Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. I think the other portion to this, though, Johnny, um, and it's an article that you wrote about uh, over on ontapsportsnet.com, is that it came out from The Athletic, I believe this was yesterday, that the whole league knows that Patrick Kane needs hip surgery. It's a very direct statement. Um, I did not know that Patrick Kane needed hip surgery. I don't know if you knew that Patrick Kane needed hip surgery up until this report from uh, that came out of New York uh, surfaced. And now you've got Chief talking about how Kane and Taves are expected to remain with the Blackhawks. I don't know how I feel about this. There's a lot to dissect here. Uh, I'll, I'll throw it to you for initial reactions to, to all this stuff because I think it affects the, the, the long-term outlook that you and I have been talking about so far on the show. Uh, and it also affects sort of how the, the tank standings go and in, in terms of where you said if the Hawks are doing too much winning for your liking, uh, just wait till after the trade deadline. So uh, I'm really curious as to what you have to say on this topic. Yeah, there, there's a lot to dive into there, but I'll just start overall on that. And um, while that may be shocking uh, and just hearing that statement, that rumor, uh, whatever report, whatever you want to call it there, um, it's also totally in their hands. They don't have to go if they don't want to. You've got to remember that. They hold all the leverage due to a full no movement clause. It's not just a no trade clause that has a 10-team list or whatever it is. It's a full-blown no movement clause, which obviously they earned for you know all their successes early in their career. So that's where they're at. That They, they can stay put if they want. And I mean, shit, I wouldn't blame them. You want to go and uproot your family right now, Tony? No. Move to a new city? No. I mean, I know, you know, there's other factors at play. Do they want to chase a cup? Um, you know, how is Taves feeling health-wise? Obviously, Kane's now got health um, in the back of his mind uh, is based on these other reports that are coming out today. So they don't have to. So it is, while it's surprising to us fans, it's also not totally improbable. And we should have always known that it was a possibility. So um, th- that's kind of my initial take on it. And I can dive a little more into the Kane injury here if you want, because like you said, I wrote that um, a little uh, kind of, I-, I just wanted to break it down. And yeah, I'll, please I'll, do. I'll g- go and check out the article at ontapsportsnet.com for the full, full rundown in depth on this. But I'll give you the Cliff Notes version here. And that's, we know that Patrick Kane has been dealing with a nagging injury. He had said that even before, not this season, but last season. And he had been dealing with it since before the Edmonton bubble. 
That was 2020, right? So he's going into last season, the 2021-22 season, and was hoping that it would something that he could take care of over the offseason. Wasn't able to fully do that, but wasn't too concerned about it. He still played 78 games last year. He moved on. He, you know, the only time he missed was for a COVID protocol stint. Wasn't anything related to that. Now, flash forward to this year. This season, right as the calendar flips the new year, 2023, Hawks got the Sharks at home on New Year's Day. He gets a little rough ride along the boards. Hip kind of goes into it. Um, finishes that game, goes suits up the next game, but exits early um, against the Lightning. And it was lower body deemed at the time. Um, that eventually caused him to miss three games. He went on IR for a little stint, but he returned. And he's been back since. He's played in the Blackhawks eight games since returning on January 14th. So it's something that he's obviously able to play through. And maybe sure he might not have as much jump as he wants to now that we know that's a hip. Because that's the thing before. It wasn't really specified what area. Well, it said was kind of lower body, right? Those are like the reports. And anytime you'd have an issue like that, lower body. But that was the athletic then recently dropping the news that he needs hip surgery. Okay. So when we're thinking about that whole scenario here, you've got both. You got two sources here. The athletic saying that he needs hip surgery at some point here and Elliot Friedman backed that up in a little bit less explicit terms saying he'll need a cleanup. Right. Um, he said that on hockey night in Canada broadcast, I think uh, the, the couple weeks ago, and you put all those pieces together with that. And it makes sense that can't possibly stay here because guess what? He could shut himself down. I know he said that, that he's not at that point right now, but it's a possibility here. Um, if he doesn't get moved to the deadline, stays with the Blackhawks, he could shut, shut it down. Get that procedure done. Be ready earlier next year. Um, if obviously he's going to need a new contract, but if he wants to stay, like I said, you want to uproot your family. Maybe not. Maybe that's something he's got a little one now. Wants to stay put. Um, these are all factors that could lead to him staying in Chicago, Tony. Well, Kane's in the driver's seat here completely, and and because of the no move clause, Johnny, it, there's no guarantee that the the Blackhawks even resign him uh, during the off season. But it might be more advantageous for Patrick Kane uh, to take his money that he's got that's coming to him from the Chicago Blackhawks, have his procedure done, I would imagine, over at Rush at a hospital that he's probably very familiar with from any of the procedures that you know he's had done over the course of his career with doctors who've known him for years on end. Colin um, in 2015, yeah? Yep. So, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense if you're Patrick Kane – you know, if, if, if you know that you're going to need this procedure, it's going to take some time to recover to enter free agency with a clean bill of health. Um, should he go via trade or, you know, finish out the year here and, and not shut it down? I, I don't know what the recovery time is, but it, it makes it a lot harder to go past a physical with a new team after signing a new deal if you're still in that recovery process. Now we're talking about Patrick Kane. I'm sure there's going to be plenty of teams who are interested in his services, uh, but from a comfort standpoint, if you're Kane and maybe winning a cup this, this season, isn't, you know, your number one priority and getting healthy is that sort of makes sense. Um, you know, on top of that as well is the fact that, you know, like you said, he's, he's really in the driver's seat with the no movement class. Maybe he does want to stay in Chicago. Maybe he likes playing for Richardson. Maybe he likes, uh, the or wants to honor the the statement that he said that he was going to stay with the Blackhawks for right. his entire career. You, those are I think you're psychic. You read my mind. I was just going to bring that up. He yeah. Said so, that. Granted, this was at the end of last season. 
towards the yeah. tail end of it. But he did say it. And, and I mean, some of this goes and gives credence to the, the win streaks that this Blackhawks team has had. I mean, there's been reports where, you know, they've gone off and rambled off a couple of wins and that the locker room has been just an absolute party and they're having fun. And there's a lot of young talent. Maybe maybe Kane wants to stick around to see if he can play with a guy like Connor Bedard or uh, Fantilli or it wants to see it through. We, we don't we're not in Patrick Kane's head, um, but, you know, his whole entire life has been as a professional hockey player has been spent in, in Chicago, in this organization. Um, you know, it's, it's maybe it's comfort for him. I can see him going to New York, but the, the destination seemed to be sort of limited um, from a trade scenario standpoint here, Johnny. I know, I know. Ooh, can the, I drop, drop some Frank Sarah spaghetti? Now yeah, sure. Then New York, sure. like you just mentioned the Rangers there, Vegas, Dallas is a dark horse, um, Los Angeles, and I think there was one other possibility that was mentioned as well, but that, that's per Frank Spaghetti and Meatballs. Okay, that's a, so. I mean, maybe he maybe his market's a little bit bigger than I than I would expect, but I think a lot of this just comes back down to what does Kane prioritize for himself in the next year? Because is it winning a cup? Is it getting healthy? Um, he could leave a lot of money on the table. Uh, if he delays his procedure and, uh, you know, teams are unwilling to give him top dollar in the open market. That includes the Blackhawks as a potential suitor uh, to stick around there. So I think, you know, hearing all of this right now, not shocking. Uh, the only other thing that I can I can think of, Johnny, is that this is a smoke and mirrors uh, type operation. Maybe a smoke and mirrors type leak. Uh, no better way to drive up trade value than to make somebody untouchable or say they're not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, as we digest all this, Tony, and I think a lot of Blackhawks fans are right now, we won't know until the clock strikes, you know, probably a little after three, because there's still some deals that trickle in on that deadline day. So March 3rd, uh, maybe give it till about four o'clock central time uh, that day. We won't know for sure. Right now, my gut is telling me, based on all this information that we just sifted through, Taves will be the one to go and Kane will stay. Now, you also have the possibility of both staying, as you mentioned, with that kind of rumor uh, that was brought up via the Redline Radio earlier. But if I were to just think about it right now, uh, and that's something that we didn't really touch on, but I, you know, we talked about Kane's comments about the willingness to stay and how cool it would be to play for one franchise for your whole career. Um, once again, that was at the end of last season, but Taves has been a little more open-ended as of late. Disgruntled, maybe? I would say open-ended because he doesn't know exactly what the future holds. He doesn't know what teams are calling and offering Kyle Davidson or shit, even if they are at that point yet. Maybe teams are still assessing themselves. What, oh, are we going to get you know a certain guy back from injured reserve? What would we have to do to make this cap work? And obviously, there's a lot of gymnastics that have to go into that. Um, that's another factor we didn't really touch on, but probably a third team in there for some of these uh, that, that are pushing up against the cap. Uh, but Jonathan Taves has at least left it a little more open-ended, whereas Patrick Kane has kind of been eh, quiet on the situation as of late, I would say. So my gut feeling right now this is just me, Johnny Nani on the Four Feathers podcast. Taves goes to a contender, chases a cup. Patrick Kane stays, gets his hip procedure, resigns with the Blackhawks. Hey, uh, you've made some very, uh, what do we call you, Nostranani predictions 
Um, I, I want to dig in on the Taves stuff, though, here, just a little bit more in depth. If if you're saying that Taves is the one that goes, what does his market look like to you? And does his underperformance this year affect the trade value of one Jonathan Taves? I think teams know what they're getting um, at this point in his career. What you, you, There's obviously some clutch goal-scoring ability. There's a face-off ability there, which that has not been a down aspect of his game. If anything, he's at you know, one of the best clips of his career in that category. Uh, but there's the experience factor. There's leading guys in. There's something to be said for being able to play in all situations, penalty kill, power play, you know, 200-feet game, end-to-end. He's done it in the you know most high pressure situations multiple times uh thinking about all those uh you know cup runs but teams also know that that's a lot of hockey that's been played on a centerman's legs and they know that he's not going to be the Jonathan Taves of 2010 Conn Smythe winning ways right um that's all taken into consideration as for destinations Winnipeg's obviously always one that gets brought up due to the hometown connection, but they're a legitimate contender, right? Let's call it like it is. Winnipeg Jets are going to be back in the playoffs this year. Um, I think that's definitely a potential fit there. Um, Other teams, I've heard the Carolina Hurricanes bandied about um, at that, needing a little bit more punch uh, up front. They do have a very strong overall team game, uh, but they could probably use another guy that is able to light it up in crunch time. So, those are just two destinations that I'd throw out there. Um, what it'd look like. And once again, I do believe it would probably take a third team uh, to navigate the cap for uh, some of those scenarios. And obviously the Blackhawks retaining some money as well. Um, but th- that's just what I would foresee uh, with that. And I think Taves just attitude towards the whole thing, not saying he's said one way or another, but he's sitting in the middle and he's left it more open ended. Whereas Kane's just kind of been mum, right? Like I said, um, so he's, he's leaving his options open. And I think that could be something he's talked about. Yeah. It's weird to think about this could be the end of the road, but you never know what can happen over this next, you know, few weeks here. Um, I believe that was a couple of weeks ago that that came out all that put together. Tony goes back to my prediction and that I think he moves and I think he does want to chase cup. And, you know, the thing with Patrick Kane, sure he might need this hip procedure and to clean it up, but his game is allows him to be a lot more durable. Um, because he's good at avoiding hits. He's got the foot speed to be able to do it. Um, He he plays an outside game. Taves is right in the thick of everything. And I think he knows that his years are more numbered than Patrick Kane's are. So I think the draw of wanting to win, potential of going back home, that all points in my direction to Taves leaving, Kane staying. And I mean, at the end of the day, Johnny, like you said, we're not going to know until the dust settles it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. And it's going to be very odd to watch either of these guys put on any other sweater, except for the Indian head. It's not going to feel nice. It's not going to feel great seeing it when they, you know, eventually do come play against the Chicago Blackhawks. If that, if that were to happen, it's going to be bittersweet. But I, I think right now, I sort of feel for Kyle Davidson in this situation. One, you've got these two assets who are probably your most movable and and top trade chips coming into this deadline. You know you're in the middle of this rebuild. You've got to be able to go do something. What I don't want to see happen, which it it very well can, is is neither of these guys want to move. They say 
at this deadline, no, we're going to stay. And then both walk in free agency and the Blackhawks don't get anything out of it. That would be a gut punch. It would be a gut punch. But unfortunately for the Chicago Blackhawks, they don't have the ability to control their own destiny here. Kyle Davidson is not the one in control. Right. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, you could blame Stan Bowman a little bit for it, but on the same, on the same end of the spectrum, both of those guys out of all no movement clauses that Stan Bowman has ever handed out in his tenure as GM were probably the two most deserving of those no trade or no movement clauses, sorry, um, out of anybody. So there is a potential scenario where you lose both of them and you get back nothing. And I think that it's, it's sort of, it's sort of hard to sit here and, and stomach that, but you have to be prepared for it because once they're free agents, anybody can offer them whatever they want to. And they've got the, they've got, you know, the ability to take their talents wherever they want. So right. uh, it, don't get up for the letdown or, you know, prepare for the letdown here in this scenario. If, if the report is true, neither of them are moving. You could lose both of them. And I, there's going to be some people who are very fucking mad online. If that's the case. Yeah, Very and I like that you bring that up because it's a possibility, right? I talked about, you know, the possibility of both of them staying or the one going, one staying, um, all of that. Um, I did. I was just kind of more, you know, thinking about it at the trade deadline here because I want to get past that juncture because that's always a big one. A lot of movement teams can get desperate. You never know. Maybe maybe they don't want to move and then someone's going to offer to sell the farm. And then, I mean, say Jonathan Taves was thinking about saying put and then, oh, um, Winnipeg goes on a nice, you know, five game stretch and look great like world beaters and he wants to go and chase a cup with them go home all that um you know j- just for the end of the season as a rental so who knows there's a number of possibilities i like that you bring that up that once again it'd be a gut punch but it's also a possibility but i want to wait until the dust settles after the trade deadline and that's just you know i already gave my prediction for what i think is going to happen um at the trade deadline so see man it's gonna be a fun month and i can't wait for four feathers tank center i, I hope we are um not having a gut punch on that day. Although, I mean, I think it will be, even if just one of them goes, obviously if both go, it'll be even worse, but um, either way, we'll, we'll be cracking beers for it. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. What else we got on the docket here, Johnny? On the docket, we are on the NHL All-Star break, right? Blackhawks lone representative is one Mr. Seth Jones. He is down in South Florida. Uh, Saw him do a little interview on NHL Network this afternoon. Um, Very important piece of breaking news, Tony. Seth Jones said he prefers thin crust to thick crust or deep dish pizza Um, on the NHL Network. It's on record, and I think that's the right call. Thoughts? I would agree with Seth Jones here, Johnny. I I, I like the tavern style. Um, You know, that's, I I think that, uh, you know, deep dishes is good in in certain scenarios, but uh, you know, I like to be able to eat my pizza with my hands, not with a fork and knife. Um, I I like the ability to, uh, you know, eat multiple pieces of the pizza without feeling like I'm going to implode. Um, So I'm, I'm a tavern style guy, thin crust all the way. I'm just, Seth Jones is saying all the right things lately. He's done a lot of the uh, the, the right things on the ice as well. Uh, and I think he's going to be out there ripping slap shots too the, this weekend. And uh, I'm rooting for Seth right now. He, he's really grown on me over the past couple of, uh, I would say, weeks. Um, not months, weeks. Uh, and we'll see how long it lasts. But uh, I'm sure at some point Seth Jones will be back in our doghouse. But right now, his stocks are up. 
Absolutely. Seth Jones stonks are up since being named an all-star because at the time, I believe he told Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times that he felt like it was a bit of a hollow honor. Um, it wasn't lost on him that he basically didn't he got it by default because there needs to be one representative from each team. Right. Um, so yes, he has, he played much better after uh, that announcement came out um, in this last stretch before the all-star break. And now he's down there. What we had just mentioned, it's cool to see some of the off ice stuff, um, you know, make it a little bit more lighthearted. So thanks for the input on pizza, Seth. I think you gave the right answer there. Um, yeah, good setup. If you're going to be in Chicago, you know, for the next decade or so. And uh, the other thing that you mentioned, going to be ripping some clap bombs down there just announced today. Seth Jones will participate in the NHL hardest shot competition uh, during the all-star skills. Uh, Can they rename it to the just fucking crank it competition? Oh Johnny? yeah, they, they absolutely should. I don't know if Geico would approve that though. Cause I think that's the spot like each it's funny. Cause e like reading the NHL press release, each uh, competition, each, you know, like, you know, passing challenge or whatever the hell it is. Um, the hardest shot. And then uh, the stick handling one or whatever fastest skater. It's all sponsored by something different. We need to get Geico that will, lizard on board with just fucking crank it i would agree and if if geico's doing this i feel like instead of hockey nets they should just bring out like a car on the ice and put it where the net is Ooh, and you just rip the shit slappers. Out of it? yeah yeah you just destroy the shit out of a car and then geico can cover it with its insurance policy i that's... think that's if you want to get sponsorship dollars out of geico i think that would be far more entertaining than just watching them rip slappers at a net let them rip it at a car, like maybe, you know, uh, you know, destroy the windows of the car competition. I don't know. But I feel like if we want to bring an appropriate sponsorship deal like Geico here, let them take slappers at somebody's SUV. Yeah, I like it. I like that a lot. So um, like I mentioned, Seth participating, it's going to be his fourth time. I didn't really, I, I knew that he was in at least one of them before, uh, but I look back, I wrote, you can go and check it out on tapsportsnet.com. There's a little highlight video in there too um, with, with this 2019 one. I believe he topped out just short of a hundred. It was 99.4 miles an hour back in 2019, but this is going to be his fourth time doing it, Tony. I think the difference though, the first three times he was wearing that ugly ass bum Columbus Blue Jackets, terrible piping jersey. If you don't look good, you can't shoot good. That is a very factual statement. So now he's going to be wearing the best jersey in all of sports at this thing. And don't give, and also, we need to get another thing, too. The All-Star jerseys themselves are going to look cool, too. They actually did them right this year. But... In the Indian head sweater, I think Seth Jones, that that counts for a few extra MPH. And in that 2019 competition, Tony, he was 99.4. John Carlson won it, I believe, at 102.8. I think the power of the Indian head can help make up that difference. I would say that that is, that is actual science, that you do shoot harder uh, in an Indian head sweater. Um, so it, we'll see. I was going to ask you if you knew – what he uh what he topped out at in his last competition so they, um, they don't actually have the full results of what each guy shot each round but i did see videos 2019 and 2020 i could not find the footage from 2017 but from 2019 was his hardest one and the other ones were kind of in that 95 to 98 range other than that one in 2019 that he ripped at almost 100 well, we'll we'll see if we can get over that hundred mile an hour mark. And I, I think that uh, you know Seth's got a lot to play for here, um, especially trying to show up, uh, you know how to how to look and shoot in a Blackhawks jersey. 
Um, so I, I can see him putting a little extra muscle into this one. Like you said, he's been saying the right things. Uh, so let's see if he can break that hundred mile an hour mark. Um, I'm, I, I was not really planning on tuning into any of the skills competitions this year. Now that Seth Jones is going to be ripping slappers, I'm definitely going to be tuning in Johnny. Yeah, I'll be tuning in and, uh, you can tune in at home. All these details are at on in that article about Seth Jones participating in the hardest shot challenge, but skills competition will get underway 6 PM central time. Uh, it'll be on ESPN ESPN plus on Friday night, Friday, February 3rd. And then the all-star game itself is at 2 PM central time on Saturday, February 3rd. So obviously they do the little three on three tournament format there. Um, Seth Jones did say he's excited to play with Kirill Kaprizov of the Minnesota wild. Um, that was also mentioned in his NHL network interview. So we'll see what the central squad can do. Uh, maybe Seth can, uh, you know, get, get a little mojo going uh, on the back end. And, you know, we always talked about wanting to see him produce more offensively. If he's going to have the big contract there, earn it. Um, it. Maybe that can get him playing a little bit more free. And maybe the slap shot competition can also help him unleash some of those. Because I feel like every goal that he scored has been on a wrister since he put on the Blackhawk sweater. It feels that way, Johnny. And I, I like, I like, Slap shots. They're fun. Fun to watch, um, especially when they wind up in the back of the net and not off the board. So, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe this uh, changes the way he plays a little bit and uh, adds a little bit of a, an exciting dimension to Seth Jones game. Just, I think maybe just loosen him up a little bit. Yeah. You think about, you know, uh, obviously the big money kind of the, that can weigh on you. The, the going into you're in a situation now that you didn't expect to be in when you signed here. Um, all of that can kind of weigh and then add in a wrist injury. Right. Um, and who knows? Hopefully that is uh, not something that will affect him during the uh, hardest shot competition. I really hope that's not the case. Um but I don't think you know he would have saying? signed up to do this if, if he you know what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's kind of been a, a, there's been a little bit of adversity um, it, surrounding Seth Jones pressure that he's put on himself. Add that to the mix and loosen it up. Have some fun with some fellow NHL all stars down there. I think it'll be a good weekend for him. Uh, come back ready to go, ready to rock uh, post all star break. Hawks will have the Ducks in town uh, for a home game next Tuesday. So we're on. We're on NHL All-Star Weekend. Let's go, Seth. Um, on to the next topic here on the docket, Tony. Um, Bobby Hall, Blackhawks legend, passed away earlier this week. And um, it's, you know, can't be understated. Um, his impact on hockey, creating essentially the banana blade on the, you know, sticks, uh, the, the shot that he possessed, um, fearsome feared by goalies in that day who were mostly not wearing masks um obviously brought a stanley cup along with stan makita to chicago in 1961 he's got a statue outside the building his number nine is hanging in the rafters tony um it's a little bit of a complicated legacy though uh due to his off-ice transgressions and um you know i think you can't mention either of them exclusively you have to go look at both of them yeah, you you obviously do here, and this has been a, a touchy subject, I think, amongst a, a lot of people. Um, you know how to properly honor or not honor Bobby Hull. Um, the impact on the game, Johnny, as you said, can't be understated. Um, if you ask anybody who watched Bobby Hull play hockey, um, you know he was somebody that brought a lot of entertainment. Uh, on the ice uh, to a generation of Blackhawks fans. Um, and, and obviously you talk about the cup um, 
we weren't around uh, during these times, Johnny, neither of us. Uh, but, you know, listening to stories from, you know, my grandparents and, and parents uh, about watching Bobby Hall play hockey, um, you know, just, man, I, I'm speechless. That's that's a household name as Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and all of the, you know, Blackhawks greats that came through here during the, the cup runs. Um, you know, guys got a statue outside of the UC. Um, there, there's all of that. And then there's the, the complicated legacy. And I think, you know, wh- when I look at this sort of, you know, and, and think about it, it goes into some, some of the don't honor your, your, like, don't put these guys on a pedestal because they are human. A lot of these guys do make mistakes off the ice and or off the playing field in, in any sport. Um, and it's just a really complicated subject uh, to, to really talk about. And, and you kind of hate it. For Bobby, um, you kind of hate to have to be more here. for his family and, and for yeah, for his family. Uh, that's that's a better way to put it, Johnny. It, it's it's really difficult because you have a guy who performed at the top of his profession for so long. And in most cases, had he not made the, the decisions to do some of the things that he did would be universally celebrated. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case for him. Uh, he, he left a complicated legacy. Uh, behind him and one that's you know very serious in 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 nature so it's it's a really tough tough subject to go about because of the the negative that he left behind him and uh that's not something that can be overlooked unfortunately because had he not so it'd be easy to celebrate him Right. And, and uh, we, we were looking, you talk about, you know, tough, you know, kind of situation to handle. I do not envy for one second the Blackhawks PR department. Um, how are they going to attack this when the Blackhawks return home next Tuesday and host the Anaheim Ducks? Um, obviously, this passing happened over time when they were off the All-Star break. They played their last game last Saturday in Edmonton against the Oilers. That was it. Each team has one week off. A few teams were still in action up until last night, Wednesday night, and then now everybody's off for this weekend. For the All-Star festivities, play will resume, I believe, Monday um, when teams get back into it, and that's when the Blackhawks will resume. And I don't know what they're going to do. I'm sure it's been ongoing discussion in those offices up above the atrium there, Tony. I don't envy one single person that has to be putting input into this. I, I don't either, Johnny. It's, it's a, it's a tough thing to do. Um, it didn't Winnipeg um, already play a game since he's passed. Yes. I, I forget how they handled it, but I did so, see some, some cliff notes that they uh, yep, did I, do I, a tribute video. I watched that. They did a tribute video and that was before um, the game had started and there was no real mention of the off-ice stuff it was just kind of a um remembrance of his you know coming to the WHA and helping establish that as as a league and with the Winnipeg Jets and the line that he played on there um had some clips of those guys up there they did a moment of silence after that and then it went on um into uh their rest of their pregame warm-up festivities and then into the game so that's how Winnipeg handled it I don't know how the Blackhawks are going to be it's going to be something that we're going to have to wait to find out, Johnny. I, they haven't really done much outside of, uh, you know, just tweeting out that uh, he had passed in, in an official team statement uh, thus far. 
Um, there's really been uh, conflicting viewpoints, I think, throughout most of the media on, on how to appropriately handle this. Um, you know, there there is a, a a strong camp that you know really, I think, loved Bobby Hull. Um, people that you know spent time with him, uh, played with him, um, even you know worked with him in his ambassador role with the Blackhawks, who have nothing but great things to say about Bobby Hull. And on the opposite end of that spectrum, Johnny, you've got, um, you know, people who have been in situations of domestic violence. You've got people who, um, you know, just absolutely are uh, affected by this each and every day of their lives, who have very strong feelings and opinions on, you know, this this subject. It, it's really touchy. Um, and I, I respect, you know, both sides of it. I respect the fact that, you know, Bobby Hull was, you know, a great hockey player off the ice, not so great in, in certain situations. And I just hate for his family. Um, like you had mentioned earlier that, you know, a career that could have been honored, um, in, in so many ways, shapes and forms and a legacy that could have been left, um, you know, for, for, you know, his kids and everybody else involved in all the stuff that, you know, that, man, it's just so hard. It's heartbreaking, honestly, because you can't, you can't go about this without knowing what happened off the ice either. Um, and, and that's part of the legacy that he leaves behind. And, and I think that that's for the worse. Yep. It's complicated. And like I said, uh, we're not envious of the Blackhawks PR staff. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I would imagine they would do so at that um, February 7th, Tuesday game uh, against the Anaheim Ducks, their first one back from the All-Star break. Tony, if I were to just give a quick prediction here, I would imagine not a pregame video like Winnipeg did, a moment of silence of all that. I would imagine first media timeout in the first period video um, on the scoreboard cut up and I don't know exactly what else beyond that, but that would be my guess for the extent of the sort of tribute in game. Do you imagine that they'll have patches on the jerseys no. for Bobby Hull? No. no. Unlike okay. Tony Esposito, unlike Stan Makita, highly doubt it. I was going to, I was going to side with you on that. I don't think that they will either. I wouldn't be completely shocked if they do um, just given the, Makita and Esposito stuff that they did, but I think this one's a little bit more complicated. Um, and to that extent, Johnny, maybe maybe we need to give the Hawks a little more credit. Um, they've been through some of this stuff with the Kyle Beach incident and handling PR, and you've got new PR people in there um, than they had previously. Um, they had to have been in some way, shape, or form sort of preparing for this. I, I don't think it was – uh, a giant surprise that he was going to pass in the next few coming years. So they may already have a playbook on how to handle this. Right. Um, but that being said, uh, I just hope the best for the Blackhawks paint themselves in the best light possible uh, given the scenario. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a way that you're going to make everybody happy in this situation. There, It's absolutely impossible for the organization to honor the feelings of, everybody who's a fan to handle this appropriately. It's nearly impossible. Um, so like you said, don't envy it. Uh, they're going to do what they think is best. 
And, you know, everybody's going to comment thereafter on whether or not they thought it was appropriate. Uh, that comes with the job of, of being in PR, Johnny. So uh, let's let's hope that, you know, they handle it to the best of their abilities. And I can't really say much else on the topic. Yeah, um, all I'll say is I'm glad my seats aren't in front of uh, press row, too. Um, not that I'm going to be at that game, but um, yeah. I'll <laughs> just add that too um, on that comment. We were talking about can't police everybody there. Okay. Uh, let's look at what's on tap next, Tony. And um, obviously we had talked about that game um, with, with Bobby Hall stuff, but Blackhawks be in action against another tanking team, uh, the Anaheim Ducks uh, first game back. And then they got another one coming into town, Arizona Coyotes there. Uh, be interesting to see um, how that all plays out. Ducks run a little, I think three game winning streak uh, before the break. Arizona, I don't know who will start in that, but they've got Corel Vimelka. Um, that's just kind of immediately here. But I kind of want to get overall. What's your take? What, what are you watching for in the second half? What are you excited to see? Um, or what are you expecting from the kind of second half? I know it's probably a little bit over that in terms of games played, but, um, you know, all-star breaks, natural break. So second half, Blackhawks, expectations, um, what are you looking for? I'm looking to see more from uh, this goaltending core. Um, yeah, I, I kind of gave a little bit of a – sort of hot bullet take uh, a couple shows ago about Staylock being a potential trade candidate. Can this guy get healthy uh, before the deadline, put to get, put himself together a little bit of a, a run there and make himself marketable. Uh, what is Max Domi? You know, we talked a lot about uh, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves potentially leaving. Max Domi sort of expressed some interest in sticking around with the Chicago Blackhawks playing for Luke Richardson. Um, they're going to have to make trades, right? They're going to have to do something at the deadline uh, to acquire some assets, more draft picks, prospects, what have you. Um, is Max Domi going to put his you know, foot down and say, I want to be a long-term Chicago Blackhawk? Do they you know, work out some sort of contract with Domi extension-wise? Does he get traded? Does he get flipped? What, what does his level of production look like here? Um, you know, I think it's sort of that forward core. And then this goaltending situation. I want to see uh, Arvid Sarabun come back and get a couple of starts in the second half. I want to see more of Jackson Stauber, uh, see really what you get from him, because maybe it's just beginner's luck, uh, so to speak. But he's looked solid between the pipes, and I really like his game. He was not a guy that I expected to uh, even be bringing up on this podcast this entire season. So what do you got from the young goaltenders? Uh, I'm sort of tired of the Peter Mrazek uh, experience. Peter? Uh, so, so to speak. I'm Peter. sort of tired of it. I'm sort of tired of it. I, I, I want more. He's not going to be here uh, when the Blackhawks so are, 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 you, are. Are you trying to tell me that the bird is not the word? Oh, man. I, see, I can't go that far, but I'm just sort you of You know tired. I love my family guy memes. Come I know, on. I know Peter Mrazek could be the end of my, my favorite sources of humor. I know, but we maybe we need to move on to to new humor. We've got to figure out what to do for some of these young goaltenders. Because All right, you I, coordinate the meme strategy for another goalie. Then. I don't I'll know, let you be on that. I, then. Yeah, you've had to you've had to fly through a bunch of them. You had the Colin Dealey experience. Yeah, you, you're you're far more uh, well versed in goaltender memes than I am. So I want to I want to see you work. I guess on some new goaltender right. memes in the second half <laughs> yeah. of the season. No, no, and, and you know what? I, I like that you uh, um, are. Always so keen on the position, Tony. I think that that's why we work well together here on the Forefathers podcast because my focus has always kind of been primarily on forwards and then D right after that. And I, I'm an I like I'm an offensive guy. I, I appreciate that aspect of the game. Don't be wrong. I can you know still 
stand there and say, oh, yeah, you need a good, you know, defenseman, whatever. But my focus has always been on offense. So I'll be looking up front. Is Lucas Reichel going to be coming back uh, up to the show? I would imagine at some point. But they're also going to want to have him in Rockford for their playoff run because they're actually good again this year. So that's good to see. And I think that'll be good for young ex- uh, experience for some of those young forwards there as well. Uh, but I would imagine that he's going to get another little taste here at some point. So I'm looking forward to that. Um Another name that you brought up, Max Domi. Will he go? Will he stay? I saw something uh, that the Blackhawks shouldn't fall in love with, um, you know, mid-round draft picks just to get one um, because they're shipping them out. So if you think his value is better served um, by staying here and building a culture, then maybe that's the move, even though he's been your top point producer. Technically, I believe he still uh, tops Patrick Kane uh, among the Blackhawks leaderboard here. So um, another guy. Sam Lafferty has been generating some trade interest per Frank Sparrett Sarah Spaghetti. (laughs) It's been on there. And you know my feelings. I love Sam Lafferty. I love the fire, the hashtag passion, the hashtag grit, the hashtag TWTW. So I'll be sad if he goes, but also I would understand it because that's a guy that you want on your team, especially in the playoffs. Um, are you, are you rocking a Sam Lafferty play. Jersey already? Did you, did I, you I, 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 I did, I did not end up um, getting one there. It's been a little bit since I've been on the New Jersey train here, but I have so many that are kind of timeless. I got Taves. I got <laughs> Kane. I got Siebes. I've got, you know, my Ryan Carpenter one. It's a good one. I got a plain white one. So that's timeless too. I've been a little off the jerseys lately, so I did not get a Sam Lafferty one, but obviously we have that excellent edit that our guy, Danny Schwartz did the fire passion grit TWTW. So, you know, the picture of him toothless um, coming out of the tunnel. I, I will miss that if he goes, but once again, I could understand it and that would make sense, especially if someone like Max Domi stays. You're going to have to probably want to ship someone else out, right? If you want to give some other young guys a shot. Jake McCabe um, going to get traded? That's a possibility, too. That's another contractual thing. Are you willing to take on the last two years of that, too? Because I believe he's only in year two um, of his deal here with the Hawks. It's not just a, you know, when you think about the trade deadline, I feel like you kind of by default think everybody that's going to get moved is just on an expiring deal. They're a rental, right? Well, there's some other ones at play here, and I think that's been a little bit more magnified over past years with Jacob Chikrin being upset with his status in Arizona, obviously a defenseman on a longer-term deal, um, but he kind of wants out of there, but it's who's going to take on the contract. And it's shorter than Jacob Chikrin's, but still um, valuable player and would probably be best served on a third pair for a playoff team. But um, once again, couple years contract here he also likes it here he likes Connor Murphy one of his good friends from playing on team USA together um he back when he was even with Buffalo he would come back make his home in Chicago in the summer train here um it's a place that he likes we talked about Kane and Taves wanting to stay around right maybe Jake McCabe's one that I know he doesn't have the same protection in terms of full no movement but um he's another one that may be at least a little bit more resistant uh to being on the move so um I also don't envy Kyle Davidson here like you had said earlier, uh, in terms of the Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, no movement clause, whole situation, and the franchise legacy that they leave behind um, if they leave or you know, are you just staying and keeping them here. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting to see, obviously, trade activity there. But, um, man, second half, I think there's – couple young defensemen I'm looking at too, Tony, and that's Isaac Phillips. If he gets a call back up to the show, Ian Mitchell has gotten some nice run lately. I can't say I've liked every aspect of his game, but he's shown some flashes, which he probably needs some more consistent minutes for, which he's finally getting. So iron some issues out there. I'll be watching him 
Um, and then will we ever see Alex Vlasic? I know he had a little injury, but remember beginning of the season, him, Philip Bruce, um, potentially kind of, uh, and obviously Vlasic played at the end of last year too. Um, so the, these call-ups will be something that I'm watching too, and how they balance that between getting a little taste of the show and being back with Rockford for their playoff run. I've got one other thing, Johnny, to bring up in the second half of the season, and that's I'm looking forward to getting out to the UC with you. Uh, I don't think that we've been to that. I don't think we've been to a game together since since Hosa Day, and that was like probably the only game that I think that you and I were at the UC in attendance for. Um, I've really enjoyed getting out to the UC this year more than usual. Not sure why, just something about it. Uh, so I'm looking forward to taking in maybe a couple two tree hockey games before this uh, season wraps up, and we're back over at the rate. Yeah, you want to make a little date before just here live in front of the audience. You want to make a little should date we could, here. We could, yeah, we could we could shoot for something. Let's let's you, open up you, the calendar. You, you want to you want to go to the game on Tuesday, February twenty first against the Vegas Golden Knights in town. I believe I, I that's think, the next game on my slate. I, I, I think I can make that happen. I think I can make that happen. I'm going to pencil it into my calendar right now. What t- what time is this game? Seven thirty. We got a seven thirty start. Seven thirty. Yeah, huh? seven thirty. It's on a Tuesday. I might yeah. already be downtown. I might just be able to meet you right there. I, I think yeah. we can make this happen. I think this is uh, this is All awesome. Right. The last time right. I the last time I went to a Hawks game, Ron and I made the date on air. So I, right. I might as well just plan them all on air. And the Hawks yeah. won. So I think you know it's only crazy if it doesn't work. That's that's absolutely right. All right. Um, I was looking at the schedule here to pull that up to you know set our date here, which I'm very much looking forward to, Tony. But um, I also noticed a couple of things here on the schedule. Uh, it had been a nice break. All these games had been on NBC Sports Chicago. Um, you know, and sure, we've talked about on the last couple of episodes, maybe some of our gripes about Chris Foster's and what he needs to improve and stuff like that. But it's easy, accessible. You know where the game's going to be, when it's going to be on, all that kind of stuff. You got your hometown call in terms of uh, pregame, postgame intermission stuff. The Blackhawks will return to national television twice in February, and I believe it's still three times more for TNT for the rest of the year, but twice in back-to-back weeks. That's uh, the 15th day after Valentine's Day up in Toronto. Um, so that'll be fun watching Mitch Marner and William Nylander dance all around us. And then at Dallas, uh, which I think Jason Robertson might score a hat trick of hat tricks against us um, the following week on the 22nd. Um, that's one of those 830 starts that will inevitably get bumped to like 911, you know, for whatever reason that the other game went to a shootout before that and stuff. Tony, mm-hmm. The TNT crew, I don't mind too, too much. I think Kenny Elbert does an okay job. Obviously, you got a little entertainment with Biz and Anson Carter at the intermissions there. But my God, NHL ratings are down 22% this year, and we're throwing a rebuilding team out there back-to-back weeks. I know it's the Blackhawks, big market branded shit, but my God, this is just part of the issues here. And I honestly just wish they would be on local TV for the rest of the year. Can we talk about the uh, the ratings down twenty two percent? I mean, I we we talked a little bit about this. Yeah, let's, the, uh, that's our that's our last call on this show. Let's yeah. talk about the ratings for last call. Let's let's talk about the ratings here. I, I'm I saw a thread that said yeah, I forget who this was from on Twitter uh, that talked about how the move away from NBC was was a good move um, for hockey. I don't really buy into that right now. I don't know if it's my bias from 
NBC being around through most of the cup run. I know before. Yeah, when versus like, turned versus, into. Yeah. yeah. So I know that there's sort of some history back there, but I, I looking at this right now, I sort of enjoyed the NBC broadcasts more. Maybe it was Doc Emmerich. Maybe we have a Doc Emmerich problem because people would tune in to hear Doc call a hockey game. And if we're talking about ratings being down, there's – you There's haven't no gotten your play. hockey check from the doc lately. Yeah, you, you, maybe we've got to go to the doc. That that's I don't know. I don't know what the answer here is, Johnny, but is it a Blackhawks problem that the league is down in the year that we are tanking? We're not sorry, Gary. Sorry, Gary. We're not tanking. We're just losing a lot. We're losing a lot. Uh big, big losing. Um, but is it a is it a Hawks problem? Is it an overall hockey problem? Oh, it's an overall hockey problem. How are you going to attribute league well, ratings to just the I'm, Hawks? I'm I mean, sure they'd be better I'm if the Hawks were good. Exactly. But that's they a factor be... in it. But come on, there's bad how, how scheduling long, you can start with. How long with. can the NHL that's, sustain it, the Hawks being bad? Yeah, right. So give us Bedard. That, that's I think we just cut to the chase there. Just give us Bedard, <laughs> and that, that'll make things some better. All right, but yeah, rig the lottery, wait our ping pong balls, all that kind of shit. But I, I want to go. I, I got a couple of tangents on this that I need to start with. And one is a scheduling of the games, the game times. And that is, I understand that teams have travel schedules that you need to accommodate and all that, but it feels like there's like 12 games on one night and then like three the next night, right? That happens way too often. And then a prime example, just this past week, I talked about teams like the Blackhawks going on the NHL all-star break, starting this last, you know, after their game last Saturday. So they were off from the Sunday to whatever. And, there's still a few teams in action there. Monday night was easy. There was only one game. So you get blues jets on NHL network. No problem. I understand that. that's easy. Then you go to the Wednesday game. And so TNT has their game and these games are both East coast. It was the TNT game was Buff, uh, Carolina at Buffalo starts at six 30 and guess what? Or no, it was at six. Yeah. Starts at six. And guess what? Really good matchup. Atlantic division power, you know, heavyweight matchup. Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs, guess what? They're starting at 6-2. So there's no st- – and I'm not saying they have to be completely spread out. No, you have to screw one team and make them play at 9 o'clock their time. Just stagger the start time to 6 to 6.30 there. Like, come on. Is it is it rocket appliances? That way, when one goes to intermission, you can go and flip to the other one yeah. and check it out and see the action and go and check the scores and flip back and forth if they are going on at the same time. My God, is that hard? That's one thing, and I got another one too. Go ahead, let's let's hear them. Okay, I I I read this thread on Reddit the other day, and this problem is okay. Here it is. I found the comment. Now I'm going to read it off to you. And thanks to user kdex86 on Reddit, she says, "ESPN's contract with the NHL is a hot mess." If it's on ESPN Plus, it's blacked out if you're in market. But sometimes it's not because it's an ESPN Plus slash Hulu exclusive. Nobody wants to pay for two streaming services to watch a single team. If you subscribe to ESPN Plus to regularly watch an out-of-market team and the game is on regular ESPN, you can't watch it because it prompts you for a linear TV provider login. But the real coup de grace is if an out-of-market game is selected to air on NHL Network, the ESPN Plus feed is blacked out. An NHL network is not a base package for any linear TV provider. You have to buy an additional service tier sports add-on on your cable to watch it. Thank you. That summed it up 
perfectly with all the complications that are at play here. 100%. And you've seen the MLB sort of struggle with this. You've seen now the NHL sort of struggle with this. Both of those are headquartered out of the exact same fucking place, Johnny. Um, Caucus, New Jersey. (laughs) Yeah, it's the same people making these decisions on how to provide you, the consumer, the ability to watch these games. I, I was not a subscriber to the sports package up until about a year ago when I decided that I've lived too long without MLB Network and NHL Network. Um, so I've now spent additional money as a consumer to come, you know, consume these products. I've got the MLB TV subscription that I also pay for so I can watch out-of-market games. I've got a Hulu subscription. I've got ESPN Plus. Got Simplify it for the fan. And the blackouts across the board. If both both the leagues did that, it would be much easier. You would solve your ratings problem because you'd make the product accessible. Stop making the deals with all these ancillary companies and streaming services. They're, they're dipping their toes in too many different platforms. And we, we had this talk on Socks on Tap last year with the Apple TV Friday night games. But you've got the same Apple TV problem that you do with ESPN Plus with the NHL. It's incredibly difficult and hard to watch, and I guarantee you that your ratings are suffering because people don't want to jump over the hoop of buying a device that they can watch the game on, trying to cast it to their TV. Or, you know, there's people out there that have flat screen TVs, Johnny, believe it or not, that are not smart devices like the TVs that have been released in the last four or five years. So if you don't have one of those in your house, now you're buying an additional device or trying to watch it from your phone. And that gets frustrating for people, especially, you know, the older generations of, of people who don't have, uh, you know, the, the same technical abilities as some of the younger kids. And guess what? The younger kids, they're pulling up the, the, the game highlights on YouTube shorts the next day. They don't have to watch the full game. In fact, their attention spans are too short to even sit through the whole thing. So you've got a big problem. You've got to solve it. And the number one way to solve that problem, in my opinion, is make it extremely easy for people to see your product. It has to be easy. If it's complicated, no one's jumping through hoops anymore unless they're that dedicated of a fan. People who are tuning into the show probably will jump through the hoops, but there's millions of other people out there who probably will not because it's just easier to flip on the TV and go to what's ever accessible. And if you can't watch the game, you're not watching it. You're picking something else. Extremely well said, Tony. I believe that was the chocolate syrup on the Sunday. I'm going to put the cherry on top because I can't end without a little dig at ESPN Turner, um, all this. And that is, for the love of Christ, if you're going to acquire this league's programming, you had talked about make it extremely accessible for people to be able to watch, right? Okay, well, say you even do subscribe to the ESPN Plus thing. Guess what? They have so many random fucking college basketball and college football games and reruns of college football games and college wrestling and whatever the hell you want else on there that the NHL games that are professional league get buried underneath so many of those that sometimes you have to scroll so far to even find it and better off just searching it in the damn thing. It should just be there as featured live, whatever, this and that. 
And that just tells me ESPN doesn't give two shits about hockey. I just thought they could cash in a little bit here. So hopefully the ratings uh, hit. It at least sends a wake-up message to that they need to up the quality and accessibility of that product. So that's all I've got, and I think we're out of time here, Tony. I think we are. Last last little subject here. You were talking about the second half, and we'll finish it on this. What are the Hawks going to do that's going to piss Ron Luce off in the second half? And that's my that's my last question because it's been a while since he's gotten hot and bothered about something. I know he's not on the show today, but I figured I'd go to you for some predictions on what are the Hawks going to do that's going to make Ron Luce mad online? Ooh, I would imagine there's probably going to be another stretch of Ian Mitchell benching. That's a possibility. Um, and then I could also foresee Kyle Davidson settling for one of those mid-round picks when Ron, GM Ron, excuse me, believes that that player was worth more or you go and look at another team's trade return for a similar player uh, of that ilk and they get something much higher and maybe Davidson shorts it because um, maybe he's in a little bit of panic mode um, if those things that we talked about earlier with the Taves and Kane um, staying. Are they going to stay? Are they going to go? Maybe it's too late. Maybe he makes a deal earlier when he doesn't know their fates just yet. Um, and it's a little bit less than what they want. And GM Ron definitely could have engineered it better. So that's what will piss Ron loose off in the second half. Be on the lookout for that. On, I believe it is March 3rd. For Feathers, Four Tank, Feathers Center. Tank Center. Uh, you got it, Johnny. That's all we I can- have, man. You can close yeah. the show down. Yep, that's it. We thank everybody for tuning in to the Four Feathers podcast here. That was season four, episode 12, uh, State of the Blackhawks at the All-Star break. Uh, make sure you go and subscribe on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube, like us on Facebook there as well, and uh, jump in the comments. When, when we have these shows, we love the discussion. We had a little bit of good stuff there. Uh, from our guy, S. Cokes, tonight, uh, chiming in on pizza, Seth Jones, various topics we love uh, hearing all that from the listeners. So, on tap sports on youtube and facebook we can't see your comments if they come through twitter we want you to follow us on twitter but um go to the youtube stream go to the facebook stream if you want to comment get in uh on the conversation there um other than that go check out on for all written updates um from he- us here at four feathers blackhawks we've got plenty of other stuff there all chicago sports pop culture anything you want there at on and last but not least, go follow us on social media uh, for more, uh, you know, content, hot takes and updates. That's what we do here uh, at the Four Feathers podcast. That's at Four Feathers pod on Twitter and Instagram and at ONTAP Sportsnet as well. Both of those platforms. Tony, that's it for this episode. Hope you enjoy the all-star break. Enjoy some clappers from Seth Jones. Drink a lot of beers. We'll be back at it next week. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks.